Yo, this is episode eight of the Rise and Fire podcast. I'm Ben Gavlik, and today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Spencer Jennings, professional three three player, one of the deadliest, ablest shooters in the world. Spencer, how's it going, my man? Benny, all is well, man. Still uh, recovering from that Thanksgiving hangover. Uh, Got a little trip to fans still left in me, but I'm awake and ready for the pod. Let's do it. Happy Thanksgiving to all the fans. We forgot to say it last week, unfortunately, but let's get into some of the headlines. Markel Fultz, you know, a lot of news coming out recently that we missed last week. Um, agent slash lawyer telling the 76ers that Fultz will not play until his shoulder is reevaluated by a specialist. And then this all kind of happened because TJ McConnell was used as the backup instead of Fultz in a game a couple days ago, and then a recent report by The Athletic suggests that Fultz might want a new start with another team. What are some of your thoughts on you know, the whole situation and some potential trade value for Fultz? Let me just first start by saying that I do empathize and sympathize with Markel Fultz uh, a little bit. You know, it's tough to be in the public eye, the number one pick, especially in this era where social media you just see everything hear everything and people can just come at you 24 hours a day seven days a week um and he's young man i mean what is he 19 years old so you're super young and hasn't had a really chance to grow up and all that being said man i can't really feel too bad for him just because of what he's saying if he came out and said man my shoulder really hurt i messed it up doing this uh i just need some time if you guys could just please respect my privacy or, you know, shooting has been really difficult for me. Something happened mentally, and I'm really working my hardest to overcome it. If he were to say any of these things, I think everyone would back off a little bit, and I could at least, you know, understand where he's coming from. But he's kind of taken the opposite route. He's been kind of passive-aggressive. You saw with the Cowboys on social media making fun of his free throw form, and uh, Instead of, like, that would have really kind of made me mad, and I would just let use that as motivation. He's on there laughing with those guys, like, thinking it's funny. And in my head, I'm like, these guys are laughing at you. They're not laughing with you, man. And, like, I can't believe it. You know, he's become a punchline and a joke uh, throughout not just the NBA, but now the NFL. And, you know, you're going to just kind of keep getting on social media and laughing about it. So I have I don't have much sympathy for him in that regard. And then on top of that, you know, he, he got a great opportunity from the organization this year to start, to play. He still was terrible, 41% from the field, 28% from three, 56% from the free throw line. You can't just keep rolling that guy out there. And the Philly fans have been great to him. The organization has given him everything they can. And now you're going to demand a trade. You're just going to slap your teammates in the face like that. You're going to slap the organization. You know, this team took a chance on you taking you number one. And this is uh, how you respond. So I just wanted to see him be quiet, get in the gym, prove yourself, delete all your social media, and just get in the gym. So I'm not a big uh, Markel Fultz fan uh, at this moment. So where do you think that he could possibly go to, and what are your thoughts on him? I mean, just first couple comments, I get all that, what you just said. And, you know, obviously there's just something wrong on the mental aspect, especially that thing with Amari Cooper and that whole celebration kind of mocking himself really – you know, just kind of bewildering what all his thoughts are about, you know, the whole thing. I, I will say that he does seem like he's a pretty good teammate. You know, whenever he's taken out of games, when he's, you know, struggling with a shot, it seems like he still has high energy. He's clapping for his teammates on the sidelines. And then also when TJ McConnell took his spot, Marco Fultz actually, like, retweeted McConnell's highlights, you know, on social media. So, you know, I don't think he's a bad teammate. He just might not be in the right mindset. You know, the, kind of the whole social media thing is just kind of taking over him. But 
as far as his trade value goes, obviously it's just not that much because he hasn't shown much. He can't shoot. There's obviously some huge mental hurdles that have to be cleared. So I think the trade value is like a shooter, a veteran shooter, maybe a second-round pick, definitely not a first-round pick. But a couple teams I had in mind, the first is the Orlando Magic. So right now their point guard situation is really iffy. They only have DJ Augustine, who's granted he's a decent point guard in this league, but he's a backup, right, for a good team. And they're kind Mm -hmm. of stuck in the middle right now. They're not tanking, but they don't have enough to win. You know, taking a chance on Fultz, just letting him rehab, letting him meet with a sports psychologist, get this all figured out, take a year off and try to come back next year. And if he's anywhere close to being that number one pick, now you have a you know a good point guard along with Aaron Gordon and those other pieces, Evan Fournier, uh, Vucevic, and maybe they can make a little bit more noise. So that's a possible team that I could see. And then maybe you know Terrence Ross as the veteran shooter in that situation. I think the 76ers could benefit off that. Obviously, they probably want a little bit more than that, but he gives them a shooting pre- uh, presence and you know a lot of athleticism as well. Yeah, I like that. Uh, maybe I'm not sure if Orlando wants to take on a case just having got rid of Elf, Alfred Payton. He might be the only guy who is a worse shooter than Markel Fultz at this moment. But I do like what you said about just almost scrapping this whole year. Like, okay, you say your shoulders hurt, you got these exams. Let's just make something up again, pretty much. And I don't want to say make something up because who knows if he really did hurt his shoulder. But I'd say all odds point to that. You know, his shoulder. Is okay, but let's just say you rehab, see a sports psychologist, and yeah, get back in there next year, and it could pay off. Another team I could see him going to is the, the Phoenix Suns. Like they're not—they're the one team in the West that you can say they're not going to the playoffs. So just roll them out there with Devin Booker, and nobody's going to watch their games. No one's going to care about any of their games. Uh, you can play 40 minutes a night. You can suck, and the te- it's not going to make any difference on the team's success. So. I think that the Suns may be another team who don't who doesn't have a point guard that he could just go in there and get minutes quick and maybe have something in the future with him, Booker, and Aiton. Definitely, and they're kind of trying to use Booker as that point guard. I don't think that's going to work. I just don't think he quite has the vision. So, you know, trying Markel Fultz to incorporate him into that open point guard spot would be a pretty good move. And also, Booker's really bad on defense, so Fultz... If he ever figures it out, at least he should be a good defender. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. So he should at least be able to give a team that. You know, another team that might be interesting is the Cavaliers. There's been reports that they have contacted the 76ers about a potential deal. You know, Colin Sexton is supposed to be the point guard of the future, but, you know, he hasn't shown much yet. He had a pretty good game the other day, granted. But, you know, the Cavs are just a terrible team. They could use any kind of players that they can get. And, you know, why not? And then, you know, maybe trade like a Kyle Korver or Rodney Hood, something like that. And, you know, what's the risk in that? They're already at the bottom of the league. Why not try to give somewhat of a push to get Markel Fultz? Hey, hey, the Cavs have won two in a row. I don't know if you've seen lately. So they're 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 hot on the rise right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're getting kind of love back, too. I love to say Colin Sexton's playing a lot better. Um and I really, I like against LeBron. He looked, he looked pretty good. And then the last couple of games, he's he scoring over twenty points. He's probably averaging twenty points almost in in this month of November. And I just thought that was really premature. Whoever was chirping about him, like not knowing how to play, it's like right. this is this guy's like first week in the league, and you're just gonna throw him completely under the bus. Like let him make some mistakes and at least had a chance to get his footy. And now uh, all of a sudden he, he's playing really well. And so I don't really, I don't want to see Fultz come in there and, and cramp the young bull style like that. So keep him out of Cleveland from my end. <laughs> That's true. I mean, 
The one good thing about Foles that coming in as a prospect is he wasn't necessarily have to be labeled as a point guard. He's kind of could be a combo guard. He could be a shooting guard because he has the size and theoretically he did have the shot. He shot over 40% from three at the college level. So, I mean, if he ever figured it out, he doesn't have to be labeled as a point guard. He can be like a shooting guard and play off ball potentially. Another no doubt. He might have came up with like a, a little like a little like Sean Marion, you know? Right. Uh, do it all, stuff the stat sheet in every regard, and if you just kind of can figure out how to make some corner threes and shoot a decent free throw percentage, he's definitely valuable. Definitely. And then another team, last team I got, is San Antonio. So maybe it might not make sense right now because they're kind of a contender trying to you know make a playoff push, and they don't necessarily need a player that's going to take up minutes that's not going to make an impact right away. But from my standpoint, you know they have one of the best shooting coaches in the world in Chip England. You know, regarded as the best, and you know, why not give him another challenge? This shot is totally whack, but if someone in the world can fix it, it's probably Chip. So, you know, again, just giving Fultz a year off, letting him work with Chip for a whole year, coming back the next year, you know, DeJounte Murray will be back, but like we just said, he can play off ball and, you know, maybe just start off as a bench role and then eventually work up and rehab and try to become the player he was in the you know in college in the draft so i think that's another good spot good coaching good environment they're not gonna you know put him under the bus i think that might be a decent spot for Fultz in the future let me clarify that for you chip is the best shooting coach in the world that's not on the rise of fire podcast <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <laughs> and then secondly i do like i do like san antonio it's kind of like the new england patriots organization of the uh of the NBA where they could take a guy and nip with all his faults and flaws and put him in a good system, good organization, get him in the right mindset, uh, put him with some veteran leadership and uh, let, let them take him under their wing and, and, and bring him along slowly. So I agree. I, I think the Spurs could be another good landing spot. So if he ends up in any of these teams, please credit the Rising Fire podcast. <laughs> got to, got to. And, you know, obviously we really think that it's a mental issue, but, you know, if there's something wrong with the shoulder, I think it's at least – has to be a combination of both. I don't think it's just the shoulder. I mean, no one's bouncing the ball like a hot potato and then flinging it up if, you know, nothing's wrong mentally, you know what I mean? So there's something wrong, definitely. There's some kind of mental hurdle. Maybe it's combined with a shoulder injury as well, which makes things even worse. If your shoulder hurts, and I feel like bouncing that ball side to side and bringing it up, Rob bringing it up, it would be the most painful thing you could possibly do. <laughs> right. I, I mean, what could be wrong? Is it like a slight tear? I mean, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a scientist or anything. Not, you know, I don't study the bo- human body, but I mean, it's just kind of weird. We've never seen this at, at all, really. I'm, I'm, I'm like they're, they're they're doing the medical examinations this week, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what these what these doctors come up with. Definitely. All right. So. This week, there aren't too many big headlines this week, so we wanted to do something a little different. Today, we'll be kind of talking about the surprises and disappointments of the year so far. Do you want to start? Sure. Uh, I'm going to say my number one surprise of the year is the Utah Jazz. Yes. You know, yes. the Rising Fire podcast was very high on the Utah Jazz. Right now, they're in 14th out of 15th place in the West. Granted, it's very tight, but 9 and 11 overall. I mean, through 20 games, I would I would have bet they would be closer to 15 and 5 than uh, 9 and 11. Um, they just, uh, you know, our boy Donovan Mitchell. We we want we were talking about him maybe coming through with uh, MVP talk, and he's been a little stagnant out of the gate. His uh, shooting percentages 
have all taken a dip from last year, and he's just not getting the team involved as much as I want to. Only three point five assists a game. I think that the team is, you know, built on teamwork, and I know he's he's the man. But if he was just kind of, you know, feeding guys and getting guys in the mix more, I feel like that that record they they'd have a couple more wins and. Maybe it's just a little weird with, I think he wants to run point, and with Ricky Rubio, uh, who can't really shoot, also wants to run point. That's the only thing I really uh, don't like about this team is just that, that kind of uh, awkwardness at the at the point guard position because you want the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands, but he's, he's really a two guard, and then Rubio's in there, and he's never been a great three-point shooter. So I still think Jazz will, will level it out and, and, and make a, a solid push throughout the year, but I'm really surprised that they're sitting in 9-11 right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're going to make it push, but they might not. I mean, early in the season, we were super high on them. We thought maybe they could be even, like, the second-best team in the West, and I think, obviously, we kind of jumped the gun on that. It might take a little bit more time for Mitchell to develop, but there are some problems with this team, and, you know, they're kind of figuring out the favors, go Barrett situation isn't really working they've started starting jay crowder instead as a small ball four and you know another problem is their defense was you know one of the best in the league last year and it's kind of taken a small dip i'm not sure if you know gobert has lost a step or he's kind of got off to a slow start but their defense just isn't quite the same as it was last year and along with the offensive struggles of mitchell and some of those guys just not being able to figure it out it's led to you know the slow start but obviously the West is super tight. They're, you know, they're just a couple games back, even though they are the 14th seed technically. So I think they're going to get it turned around quick. But you know, I think they're going to be more middle of the pack, like maybe five or six seed than what we thought their aspiration should be, like second or third best team in the West. For sure. And I think another reason why we both like this team was kind of their resiliency and their coaching and their culture. And that's Definitely. the thing. Like You see the Wizards lose a couple games and all hell breaks loose. Well, this team, they may set out 9-11, but they have the poise and the and the, and the culture and the uh, organization to, to turn around and not crumble. Right. And last year, it's not like they came out blazing as well. It was kind of a slow start last year as well. And then at the end, it was like the last 20, 25 games. They just went on a crazy run, which led to them ultimately making the second round, which I think is probably a likely case this year as well. Yep, for sure. I remember that. All right, so moving on to my biggest surprise is the Boston Celtics starting off 10-10. and 10. This is a team that had an over-under of over 60 wins, and that seems like it's you know pretty much out of reach right now. They have to you know win 50, go 50-10 and 10 the rest of the way, which probably not going to happen. But some reasons for their struggles is just offensively, really. If you look at their defense, they're fourth-ranked in the league. Right now, they're just not putting the ball in the basket. They rank 23rd in points per game. And kind of looking further into the statistics, they're just taking too many jumpers. They rank last in the league in attempting inside jumpers. They only take 30% of their shots inside 8 feet. That means over 70% of their shots are outside 8 feet, so just mid-range three-pointers. And the only team close to them is Golden State, but they have three of the best shooters in the world, KD, Steph, and Clay. And obviously Boston has a lot of capable offensive players, but you know, not to that aptitude at all. So yeah, they really got a lot of things they have to figure out. Another problem is Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward are just lost out there. Hayward obviously coming back from injury, and then Jalen, there's just a lot of guys, and it's hard to get his own. His PER right now is 8.82. Under 10 is not very good at all. The league average is 15. So he just hasn't been as engaged this year. I think it's kind of tough for him because last year in the playoffs, I thought he was you know, really good. I thought he was almost as good as Tatum, maybe not in the conference finals, but the series leading up to it, he was playing very well. 
and it's hard to take a back seat. I feel like the offseason, the story is all about, you know, Jason Tatum working with Kobe, Hayward coming back, Kyrie's coming back, and Jalen Brown's kind of got lost in the mix. So they got to get him incorporated somehow. This is just his third year in the league, and they want to make sure that he's a long-term guy. He's going to be someone with Boston to stick. And then the last problem before I hand it to you is, you know, there's just too many guys. They haven't been able to find their five-guy lineup. The starting lineup that was supposed to work, you know, Kyrie Tatum, Hayward, Horford, and Brown just hasn't worked at all. It's one of the worst five-man lineups in the league somehow. And their best lineup right now is, you know, those four guys plus Morris instead of Brown because I guess Marcus Morris just brings that extra energy that they haven't been able to find from those five guys. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it's, you know, really early, but, you know, 10-10 for the Boston Celtics when their aspirations were to be a one seed in the East, just incredibly slow start. Yeah, those are all some great analytics right there, um, and I agree with all your points. I think we need to just address the elephant in the room straight up, which is, is Anthony Davis going to be in a Boston Celtics jersey this season? This season? Ooh. I think so the Pelicans right now are 10-10. and 10. They've lost three in a row. I think that the Pelicans are going to get worse. I, I think that... I think that they're going to be maybe middle of the pack or slightly below middle middle of the pack, and I, I have I've, I've heard rumblings that they will move Anthony Davis because why hang on to him? He's not going to resign uh, as a Pelican. He knows they're going nowhere. So Boston has all the pieces to trade. Those guys all want to be on their own team. They all want a new start. Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, uh, they, 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 a lot of those guys want new places. So I think that I think that I think it's more than likely that Anthony Davis, you heard here on the Rise and Fire podcast, will be a Boston Celtic come playoff time this year. Wow. I mean, that would be incredible. Obviously, I think a problem with that is just the money. Like, Gordon Hayward's just making so much money, and I don't think he's tradable. Like, he's just gone off to a slow start. He's obviously not the player that he was, you know, not even close so far. I mean, obviously, it's just 20 games in, so he needs to – find some time to get his legs back but you know when you have a guy on who's on a max contract just barely producing at all like it's going to be tough to make all the money work when he's getting that much money you know Horford has a big deal Kyrie I'm not sure how they figure that out money-wise I think maybe if they say Jalen Brown and they also ship Gordon Hayward and they have a pick too uh it's it's possible to get that and I think if I'm Gordon Hayward, I would, I wouldn't mind actually a fresh start. Like he, he's not a third ball player. He he needs a he's like a second guy, give me the ball kind of guy. He's not gonna he's not a role player. He he's a he was a very very good player. You thought he was the number one option. Obviously, he's not gonna be the number one option with Kyrie there. But I'm not really liking my experience in Boston right now. If I'm Gordon Hayward and. Like, I don't know the salary details right now. If Can they afford to keep Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, and bring in Anthony Davis uh, and keep it on the cap? I, most teams find a way. So I just think that Danny Ainge will do whatever he can. We saw that with Isaiah Thomas, you know, with his all, all the loyalty and season that Isaiah Thomas had, and he shipped him when he, or just when he could get Kyrie. And I think if Danny Ainge has any chance to get Anthony Davis, that he will find a way. And another thing I want to talk about just real quick, another statistic is Gordon Hayward, just three dunks this year. The year before he got injured in 2016, he averaged almost one per game. So just three dunks in 20 games. Obviously, he just doesn't trust the legs right now, whether his explosiveness will ever get back. You know, who knows? Maybe it's just a mental thing as well, coming back from just such a crazy injury last year. 
and he also had an unexpected surgery, you know, another surgery after the original one in May. So it's going to take some time to figure it out as well. I don't know if you're selling stock, but I think I'm going to buy for Hayward just because I still believe in him and that combination with Brad Stevens as well. You know, I think he's kind of like a son to Brad Stevens. So I think that they're going to figure it out eventually. And I think Hayward figures out, I think part of it is definitely a mental hurdle as well, just coming back from injury. So put a timeline on this, figure it out. You're saying he's going to have it back by All-Star break, Christmas break, or playoff time when? I say early next year, maybe February, March, that he'll start to look more like the player that he was. I don't think he'll ever be the same player, to be honest. But, you know, maybe 80%, 90% of what he was, I think he'll start showing sparks January, February, March, that area. All right. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think it's, it's a long way back for a minute. You're right. It starts with his explosion and his athleticism and, and feeling right on the court because until that happens – um, it's tough to compete in the NBA as a, as a slow white guy without a lot of boost. So hopefully you can go see LeBron's doctor in Miami and get back right. <laughs> Definitely. And the shot isn't going down as well. And that's another problem is when you're a slow white guy, you got to be able to shoot at least. Yeah, for sure. Ask Larry Bird that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's next on your list, bud? Okay, my next biggest surprise of the season is former MVP Russell Westbrook. Benny, you know what Russell Westbrook, the Brody, shooting from three this year? <laughs> I'm going to guess. I know it's low. I'm going to guess under 20%. He's shooting 17% right now oh from three. That didn't, that didn't stop him from launching 12 the other night and missing all of them. Um, so he, uh, he, he just, the team, it's crazy. You know, the team, like I said, I said this last week on the podcast that he was going to come back. And uh, they were going to lose games. They lost that first game back to, I think, uh, was it Sacramento? And they were rolling without him. And, you know, you think about all the breakaway and dunks that Russell Westbrook gets, right? His crazy athleticism. He gets so many uncontested dunks or even dunks in in the lane and and, and layups. For his career, Russell Westbrook is a 43.5% shooter. For Steph Curry's career, he's a 43.8% three-point shooter. So Curry's a better uh, – he shoots a high – Curry shoots a higher percentage from three than Russell Westbrook does from the field. I thought that, that was uh, pretty surprising to me. So um, the Thunder, man, I think the Thunder could be really good, but it just starts with Russell Westbrook almost toning it down a notch. Pretty much stop shooting threes, get your team involved. They got a couple guys, Abrinas and Diallo, who look okay. Um, obviously, Paul George. I'd like to see just Paul George – and Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook terrorize guys in the lane and get Paul George wide open looks and let Stephen Adams wreak havoc on the lane. But I'm just really surprised that, uh, you know, the, the Thunder and even Schroeder, like they look better with Schroeder on the show. And I know Russell Westbrook has an injury to start the year and he, he's been banged up and, uh, you know, he missed a couple of days for personal reasons with his daughter. But um, just the, the shooting percentage numbers from Russell Westbrook, I don't know if we're about to see. He, I think he turned 30 uh, this year, so... 30 is a tough age for, for point guards and especially um, athletic ones who can't shoot. So I'm just really surprised at uh, it, how kind of good the Thunder look without him and bad that how they look with him, a former MVP and maybe top, what, five, ten player in the NBA. Yeah, it feels like he's just never going to get it. Like, I'll defend Westbrook, you know, whenever, whenever people go after him. But, you know, this is not something that's new. This is something that's always been said. And you look at stats in the past – 
whenever Westbrook shoots less than 20 times a game, they, the Thunder have, like, a ridiculous record. They're, like, over 700% uh, you know, win percentage. And he's just never got that, you know, he needs to take a little step back. Obviously, the aggression is in his blood. He has to be aggressive to be successful. But if he just takes a little step back, that the team can be so much more successful. You know, jacking up 12 threes, especially when you're shooting terribly, it cannot be good for your team. I don't know how you can't know that. And he's, you know, he's a competitive guy. It's not like he's self. I mean, maybe he's selfish sometimes for statistic purposes, but he's a winner. He wants to win. That's obvious. Just watch the way he plays. Russell Westbrook wants to win championships. It's just not going to happen if he continues to play this way. And I think part of it, too, is just coaching. All the coaches he has, I think they've just been super passive. They're not willing to tell Westbrook, you know, what to do, what he's doing wrong. Like Brooks, you see John Wall's bullying him now. And, you know, Donovan, I feel like the Westbrook, Durant, they just bully him. And, I mean, obviously it's something that has to come from him as well. I can't just put all the blame on coaches, but it feels like coaches have not been able to sit him down in the room and say, Westbrook, can you step down a little bit? You know, move off ball. And you play a little better defense. There's so many just little things. If Westbrook did better, then no one could argue that he's a top five player. And that's why he's probably outside that argument. He's probably more like top 10, top 15. Is just because of those problems he's never been able to fix over all these years. It's been forever. It's not you know a new topic. Yeah, that's very well put. And I just think that this this team, I, I hope that they can add another piece. And I'm not sure if it will make a difference because you've seen guys come in there before and it's hard to play with Russell Westbrook. But um, I just I, I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan like you. I mean, his athleticism and his tenacity that he plays with you root for the guy. But at the same time, it's like you know those six for twenty three nights that always end up in losses. One for twelve from three the other night against Denver. Um, you know the OKC is twelve and seven right now. But like you said, they went they won that big win streak with with him out of the lineup. So hopefully he can he can just <laughs> figure it out. But like you said, this is the kind of same old story with him. And it feels like the window is open, maybe not for a championship because the Warriors are still there even with some of their drama. But the West is wide open right now. There's no teams that are really, you know, securing themselves as the one, two, and three seeds. You know, right now it's like the Clippers are leading the West. I don't predict that lasting. Right now the West is wide open, and if OKC can catch some, you know, catch some wins in the middle of the season, catch a winning streak, they could easily be a two or three seed. But... It's going to take some time. It's going to take some sacrifice from Westbrook, and hopefully they figure it out. But if I had to bet on it, I think it's going to be the same old Westbrook, and you'll see him in a 4-5 or five seed and maybe make it to the second round and possibly a first-round exit again. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I agree with all that. What's your next surprise? All right, so my biggest surprise, we talked about him a little bit in the podcast, is Luka Doncic just you know tearing up the league this year in his rookie year. Some of the statistics averaging almost 20 a game, almost five assists per game, seven or six rebounds per game. And the percentages are really good too. As a rookie, it's hard for them to have good shooting percentages from the field. He's 45% from the field, 40% from three, and almost 80% from the line. So for me, I always thought he's going to be a really good player, but I'm extremely impressed with the scoring. I thought he was going to be more like in the 12 to 13 range for his rookie season and maybe average more assists like seven to eight. But he's really he knows how to score the ball. He, he just has a knack for putting the ball in the basket. You know, awkward angles. He has nice touch around the rim, floaters, mid-range jumpers, and obviously the threes. I told I said before over forty percent from three, and 
you know, that knack for putting the ball in the basket is not something that all young players have. Like one of the critiques that I've had for Brandon Ingram, you know, he has all the tools. He has the length. He has the skills. He has the ability. But he just doesn't seem to find ways to get buckets. Just around the rim, he's not great. Can't not create a three-point shooter. Just he has all the tools, but he just doesn't have that scoring instinct. And that's something that I feel like Doncic has already in his rookie season. And, you know, the whole offense revolves around him as well. It seems like all the other players, the veterans, like playing with him. You know, I could feel as a rookie and, you know, veterans around you that there might be some resentment to the offense just revolving around this rookie just entered the league. But it seems like there's none of that. They like playing with him. You know, Harrison Barnes is getting a lot of open looks. Wesley Matthews as well. DJ is getting all his lobs that he got from CP3 in the past. And these are difficult passes, too. If you watch that Boston game, he's making a lot of cross-court passes, a lot of bin-air adjustments. And, you know, he's just been super impressive post-game as well. He bitched Kyrie on a couple back-to-back possessions, just posted it up, easy two points. And, yeah, I'm just super impressed by the kid, even though I thought he was going to be a good player. But I'm just wild right now at this point. Yeah, it's amazing how polished he is at 19 years old. And you see guys come to the NBA and, and struggle because it's such a different game than EuroLeague. Like, Teo Dosic basically came through and, and already talked about how he's ready to be done with the NBA and go back to EuroLeague. But, you know, Doncic has come over here pretty seamlessly and just, you know, played beautifully um, in his game. You know, shoot, he's shooting the ball great. I'll be interested – would you run the offense through him, or would you keep Dennis Smith Jr. out there? I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to uh, play out. I, I mean, I, I'd still run through Donches, but one of the things I like about him is that he doesn't necessarily have to be point guard. He's kind of positionless in a way. You know, he can kind of play the forward. He's good off ball. A lot of those points against the Celtics, he's just cutting to the basket, backdoor screens, and he's a shooter. He can shoot 40% from three, so... He can play off ball if Dallas is in his you know, final spot in the NBA. I mean, obviously, he's a young player. He could go anywhere in five years. But I'd be interested to see if he just mes- meshes well with other teams as well because it feels like he's a guy that can play with anybody, really. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like Dallas, unfortunately, is going nowhere, right, in the West. Like, they're, they're 500 right now. It would almost be better for them, and Cuban doesn't like it, for them to tank. And, and then nobody's trying to lose games on purpose for the guys on the court, but there really are just maybe one lottery pick away from working out to really being a, a, a really nice team um, with the pieces. And obviously, Dodgers would be the focal point in that. But I just feel like they're going to be a fringe playoff team, probably just miss it and end up with a pretty crappy pick again. No, I agree. It'd be nice to see him tank or, I mean, Cuban, you, I mean, I don't, he hasn't had many free agent catches in the past. DeAndre Jordan being the huge one this past offseason, but maybe he can make a, another sign because, like you said, they just don't quite have the pieces to be a playoff team, even though Doncic has, you know, just come out of the gate swinging right away. Yeah, and like you see the restaurant, like what are they doing with Jose Barea out there? Like I love JJ Barea, he's, but he's 34 years old and he's five foot nine. And then you got Wesley Matthews on the wrong. He's 32 on the wrong end of Achilles injury. And Harrison Barnes is fine to have on a championship team, but I think like he'd have to be you know third, fourth option. So um, I like DeAndre Jordan as a piece too. And Dennis Smith Jr. still has a long way to go into his game, but uh, he's a piece. So this team, uh, I just hope Doncic doesn't end up in 
kind of the purgatory that you know Devin Booker's in right now as well. No, I agree, and I think he's still learning too. He's just twenty or you know eighteen games in the season. His turnover turnover ratio is a little high right now. It's averaging almost four games. So hopefully he can get that figured out, and hopefully grow a little bit athletically as well. He's a little slow. He needs to get a little stronger. He's having a little trouble with Jalen brown in the post he was kind of pushing him around and then he had that play where he's running back and jalen brown was just standing and he you know fell down like he got hit by a brick wall <laughs> and probably flopped a little bit but yeah he still has some strides in his game but it'll be interesting to see if they can complement him with the right pieces because he is a special talent and hopefully they can develop him the right way yeah, anywhere's number seventy-seven. I we'll have to look into that. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I've never seen a guy rock seventy-seven, but I'm sure there's a story behind that. So maybe one of our listeners can help us out with that. It, it is weird. Seventy-seven. I did see a theory on Reddit that seven plus seven is fourteen, and fourteen backwards is forty-one for Dirk. I think that's a stretch. But <laughs> I think someone was pretty fake when they wrote that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You have another one, bud. Yeah, I got one more for you. It's my last one. Luka Doncic, teammate. And uh, this guy's on my fantasy team, and it's been very pleasant surprise this year. I want to say my big – this may be the biggest surprise out of everything I've listened so far because I've never – I don't think I've ever seen this before. DeAndre Jordan right now is shooting 78% from the free throw line, and he shot 73 attempts, so it's not like he shot, you know, 10, 20 shots. 73 attempts, 78% from the line. And he was just like, he was over 80 last week. But for his whole career, he was a below 50%, 50% free throw shooter. Like most seasons, he'd be at like mid 40s. And uh, some guys that he's shooting better from the line from right now, better than Bradley Beal, better than obviously LeBron, the greatest of all time, some people say. But, you know, he's getting outshot by DeAndre Jordan right now. Uh, he's shooting better from, than Oba Depot, Evan Fournier. John Wall and De'Aaron Fox, um, along with a ton of other guys, because you know seventy-eight percent is not too shabby. So I like guys that uh, you know put in the work, and obviously, like free throw shooting is so mental, and it takes a lot of kind of mental fortitude to overcome a lot of those free throw struggles, as you see with LeBron going through right now. So I was actually watching. Uh, there's a video on YouTube showing DeAndre Jordan and his new free throw routine. So what he does is. If he, if he gets fouled, he'll go find the ball immediately from the ref or whoever has it, and he'll go touch it. And a lot of guys you see on other teams picked up on it, and they'll try to, like, keep it from him. But he goes up and he grabs the ball. Then he goes to the line, and, you know, he's got his little routine. But what, something in the routine I thought was funny is, like, he doesn't even listen to the response, but he'll just go, who you got? He'll ask his teammates, like, who you got? And he's not even looking or listening, and the guys will be talking to him, and he's just totally focused on the free throw. But I guess, like, that's a part of his – when he says, like, who you got, it makes him almost, may probably not think or, yeah, keep him from thinking about anything. And then he goes to the line and he, and he knocks him down. So I've never seen a guy improve his free throw percentage that drastically. I know Andre Drummond's made some improvements. I don't think he's made uh, that quite significant of an improvement. But that's, that's huge for them, man. That's huge for his, his career if he can actually, you know, keep this up. We'll see. You know, 73 attempts is a lot, but it's not a huge sample size so hopefully he can keep it above uh 70 for the rest of the for the rest of the year and that'll be huge for him and um kind of proof that you know even if you do suck at free throws if deandre jordan can improve anybody can yeah that's definitely proof that putting work in the gym is going to work obviously that should already make sense to nba players but it seems like guys just don't get that and it's 
DeAndre is shooting really well right now, almost 80% from the, from the line, but NBA teams aren't demanding that necessarily. If you're a big man and you shoot over 70, that's pretty good. Teams will take that, and guys just haven't seemed to get that. Like you mentioned Drummond, uh, you know some other guys that struggled, like Rondo, point guards. It's just they seem like their excuse is always, oh, my hands are too big. It feels like it's a tennis ball when I shoot. And I've just never bought that. If you just work at it, I feel like you're going to make some steady improvements and at least shoot a respectable percentage. And guys have never seemed to just get that. And DeAndre's, you know, proving the haters wrong right now. His form has always looked pretty good. Just the ball never went in. And now he's finally got the touch to go. I will say a funny clip that was on Instagram the other day was, you know, he actually shot a technical free throw at the end of the game against the Celtics. Doncic let him shoot it and he missed and they were both kind of laughing about it that he shot the technical <laughs> free throw. But, uh, I mean, these... Man, they should have done it at the muck. It's a technical. No one's on the line like that and uh, then he missed it. I don't like that. Come on, man. We gotta stick to the routine. Right, we gotta get the keep the percentage up, but it was funny. They were both laughing about it and yeah, it's good to see, not getting back to Doncic, but it's good to see that, that team chemistry with DeAndre and Doncic's and the whole Dallas team seems to be getting along real well. Yeah, they've come a long way since uh, DeAndre basically body-checked Donchitz into the first row to get that one rebound. And, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember that clip. I did um, see that. Um, did you see that? Yeah, I did see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And then not just the last, last word about the, the big man shooting, I, I kind of was sympathetic to the big man, but then Yao Ming came in the league, and he's like seven foot five, and obviously huge hands, and he shoots 90% from the stripe. So uh, ever since I saw Yao do that, I said nobody can have an excuse. Right, and it's not like they're not shooting. Like, they're shooting threes. Like, so obviously they could shoot a little bit. Like, Drummond's trying yeah. to shoot some threes this year. Why don't you just settle at the free throw line, get that down, and then maybe try to extend your range? Yes, sir. So, yeah, prop DeAndre Jordan, keep my fantasy team strong, and way to work on those free throws, brother. Definitely. All right, so my last one is the Sacramento Kings, and I'm not. we've talked a lot about De'Aaron Fox. I'm not going to talk about him too much in this segment, but I want to talk about Buddy Heald because he's kind of surprised everyone this year. He's averaging almost 20 a game, and I feel like it's just his third season in the league, but I feel like he's a guy that people kind of forgot about you know, real quickly. And he's made steady improvement every year, and he seems to be the perfect fit next to Fox. Fox is a bulldog guy who can score, but he also gets teammates involved. And Heal's going to hit open shots, and he's going to score. And he's, Fox is going to cover for Heal a little bit on the defensive end. So I feel like that was a huge pickup, you know, two years ago when they made that trade for Heal, giving up Boogie. And, you know, people were really down on the Kings for making that move. But, you know, they get Buddy Heal, who's going to be a really good piece for them in the future perfect fit for fox and then they got a first round pick in that deal as well which is a 10th pick that they flipped for the 15th and 20th pick that turned into justin jackson and harry giles i'm not sure about that deal but harry giles is someone that has a lot of potential and then they got a second round pick as well as frank mason the third so obviously none of those guys are going to be as good as boogie but it seems like they got pretty good return for that deal and vlade at the time said that if in two years they weren't as good or in a better position that they were in that deal that he'd step down. And it feels like, you know, they're 10 and 10, not the greatest start, but a lot better than they have been in the past. And they're probably going to digress, but it seems like they are in a better position in the future than they were, you know, with Boogie. So it seems like he's made a couple good moves. The one mistake that he did make for sure is I feel like passing out Doncic, taking Bagley, 
I think Bagley's going to be a pretty good player in this league, but Doncic has the potential to be special. And like we said before, he doesn't need to demand the ball. So it could still be Fox's team, and Doncic could play off ball, and I feel like that would have been really special. So that could have been a big miss, but it'll be interesting to see if the Kings can kind of keep this up and you know stay relevant in the West playoff pitcher as long as possible. Yeah, going off, uh, I guess, Buddy Yield, man, I thought I actually bet on him for Rookie of the Year in New Orleans, and, you know, they they didn't, because I loved his game in college, and I saw so much of Steph Curry and, and Buddy Yield. Not that Buddy Yield has the same playmaking ability as Steph Curry, but Buddy Yield is an amazing shooter, and he, he gets it off quick, and he can torch torture defenses with his, with his shooting ability, but only played 20 minutes a game in New Orleans, and then last season, I was getting frustrated, too, because I thought, you know, yeah, for 13.5 points a game in only 25 minutes and was sharing minutes with, I think, Ben McLemore and maybe Bogdanovich. And I was just like, man, this guy's going to eat as long as he just gets the minutes and gets the uh, shot attempts. And finally this year, 31 minutes a game and almost 19 points. So when you said it's only his third year, I was like, man, it feels like he's been in the league, you know, five, five years now at least. But he's, it's still only his third year. You forget, you know, how young he is. And how fast people people write guys off. So um, I'm a big Buddy Hill fan. We can be a Buddy Hill podcast from definitely, now on if definitely. you want. But yeah, I, I agree with the Marvin Bagley pick. He, he's had some big games lately. But uh, Donjus and Fox would have been so much fun. Um, but it's good, just good to see the, the Kings have something to cheer for. Obviously, they have so many pieces um, with with young guys coming in, and who knows how it's all going to pan out. But I think they got a keeper in Fox. I want to say Durant said the other night. Uh, you know, basically Fox is, is a guy that will change your whole franchise. So um, I think uh, I think Fox is, you know, we, I know you're a big Fox fan. I'm a big Fox fan. We're a big Fox podcast. So um, shout out to the Kings, Buddy Heald, and De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, just quick on Heald. He's shooting 45% for the three-point line. I'm not sure if he can keep that up, but obviously, you know, incredible shooting so far. And for Fox, like, you said I think he's the perfect point guard to build your team around, just the competitiveness. Not a selfish guy. He's not trying to stat stuff. You know, he's trying to win, and he has the maturity. He sounds really poised in press conferences. That seems like that's all. That's the only thing on his mind is to win, and if he has to be the man to do that, then he'll do that. But, you know, there's nights this year that he struggled scoring, and he's found other ways to impact the game, whether it's on defense, setting teammates up, you know, trying to get in transition. I feel like he's just a winner, and the Kings have a you know great pick there, regardless of what ha- whatever happens this year. I mean, I I think it would be good to actually lose some games. So, like we said with the Mavericks situation, to lose some games and get in the draft because there's a lot of good prospects. You know, pair up DeAndre Fo- De'Aaron Fox and Zion, see what happens. That'd be a crazy athletic combo. That would be nuts. And I think De'Aaron Fox right now is just kind of in the perfect time frame of where the NBA is at right now where he can just basically run as fast as he can, throw out to Willie Collison, kick it out to Buddy Heal, have Shumpert guard the best guys, even though De'Aaron Fox can lock up and he wants to guard guys. So it's just the perfect time for his game with his speed and his athleticism to just open up and, and, and get these stats up. Because think about him in the 90s, like super fast with the lanes being clogged up. Um and, and not being able to just use that, I think that he would have been neutralized a lot more. But now in this era, he's the he's kind of the perfect point guard to have. Definitely, and the shot looks a lot better as well. I think he's shooting thirty six, thirty seven percent from three, not bad at all. And I think he's always had the ability. He was just kind of passive last year, shooting for whatever reason. But 
if you look at like high school, like his hoop mixtape, he's taken threes from all over the place. So I think he's always had it in him, even though hoop mixtape is not a good way to evaluate prospects. But yeah, I mean, he's obviously showing it now that you know whenever he's shooting the ball with confidence, that ball is gonna go in. For sure. All right, enough about De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> <laughs> we slurped him enough definitely all right so let's get into our next part of the podcast some unpopular takes that we're just going to give some hot takes about you know what's going on the season and i know that for you it's the grizzlies obviously getting off to a hot start but you're not a believer yet do you want to elaborate on that situation <laughs> sure i mean no offense to the memphis grizzlies or any of the memphis grizzlies fans but uh it's a it's been a nice start to this season uh, you got a really promising player in Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. For some reason, him and uh, and and Bridges from Charlotte they couldn't they couldn't do anything at Michigan State together. But now they both uh, obviously looking like very promising NBA stars. But we know what the Memphis Grizzlies are, man. They're, uh, right now they're healthy, but they're old, and they're the most boring team in the league to watch. Uh, nobody's turning on a Memphis Grizzlies game because even if they do find a way to sneak into the playoffs, that they're gonna get you know, bounce in the first round, their grit and grind. It's, it's just, uh, it's not appealing, and there's nothing that excites me about the Memphis Grizzlies at all. So these guys are probably all going to get hurt later on in the year and fizzle out, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say, you know, everyone was saying, oh, the Memphis Grizzlies are back, the Memphis Grizzlies are back. Right now they're 12-7, and seven, uh, one game out of first place. I'm saying the Memphis Grizzlies this year will not be in the playoffs. So I agree. I think it's going to be close, and I do have some counterpoints. I mean, one thing that I like that they're doing is that, you know, this new NBA with everyone jacking up threes, getting into analytics, trying to speed up the pace. The Grizzlies, I mean, they obviously don't have the personnel to compete with that, but, I mean, they could have tried to make some strides, make some personnel moves, but instead they've totally embraced that you know, focus on defense, slow down the pace. They're last in pace. They're 30th in points per game. And if you think about it, they've kind of thought about it in the way that if you slow the game down, it's less possessions for the other teams and, you know, other teams that might have more talent than us. And that increases our chance to win if the teams are getting less possessions that, you know, have better shooters than us and have better offensive talent. And it's, you know, it's paid off for them so far. They're first in defense. And that's just a deadly combo with Jaron Jackson Jr., his length, his ability, and Marcus Saul has emerged as, you know, he's back to normal. I thought he kind of lost his step last year. I didn't like at all. You know, I'm a Fisdale guy, and I didn't like that conflict at all. I thought, you know, he's kind of being a baby about it. And his points per game were down last year. His rebounds were down last year. His field goal percentage was down. And it feels like he's back playing some of the best basketball of his career. And statistically, he's the best defensive player in the league right now. But, you know, obviously I just don't believe in their depth, like you said. They're just not a fun team to watch. You know, besides Gasol, Conley, and Jared Jackson, they don't have much. Temple's a guy that I haven't bought into. Sheldon Mack, Marshawn Brooks, these guys are getting a lot of minutes. I just don't believe in these guys. I don't think they have the depth. And Bickerstaff as well is a coach that I don't believe in as well. So I, it's a nice start for them, obviously. I think they've gone about it the right way. They could have embraced the new NBA, but instead they've, embrace their style which i think is going to get them close to the playoffs but i think you're right they're probably going to fall you know a step or two short and one more thing like mike conley you hear it all the time oh mike conley does all the little mike conley mike like you hear everybody talking like how mike conley's underrated and all this 
Mike Conley's on a five-year, $152 million contract in a league where point guards are just of the most abundance in the league. You're going to tell me that you want to pay that guy $30 million for missing the playoffs or losing in the first round. Like, you pay $30 million to a guy that's going to change your franchise, not a guy that's going to run the point and, you know, be a solid point guard who's going to have some big games. Yeah, he's a nice player. He's not a $30 million player. Sorry, Memphis. <laughs> I agree. And... You know, he's just never going to make an all-star game. And there's people all over Twitter, oh, it's so sad. Mike Conley is never going to make an all-star game. Get Mike Conley in the all-star game. But he's just not that caliber <laughs> player. And maybe in the East he would have made one or two. But the West is just so deep. And I don't, well, I feel sorry for him. He's making $30 million a year. He's going to be fine if he never makes an all-star game. Uh, he'll live. Yeah, and De'Aaron Fox is now taking your place in the all-star game. <laughs> Ooh, getting back on the Fox bandwagon. All right, so uh, so my first unpopular take, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this because you already have the Grizzlies not making the playoffs, so a team has to. But I'm going with the Clippers won't make the playoffs. I'm not buying their hot what? start. What? <laughs> Let me hear it. All right, so... First of all, starting, they're, they're over-under safe. I think it was like high 30s, low 40s. That's safe. I think they're going to be really close. And right now, they're 13-6. and six. They're the number one team in the West. And, you know, I like this team a lot. This is a team that, you know, whenever I'm playing 2K, this is a team I want to use. They have lots of depth. They have a lot of hard-nosed guys. You know, Beverly, Avery Bradley. I love their identity. But I still have my doubts. I mean, first of all, injuries. So Avery Bradley, Beverly, Gallinari, these guys have all had injury issues in the past. I mean, knock on wood, I'm not hoping for injuries at all. It's not like it's a big deal if they make the playoffs. I'm going to be super disappointed that, about this take. But I just have huge concerns because none of them have proven in the past that they can stay healthy. They've all had you know huge surgeries in the past that I just don't buy that they're going to stay healthy. And then another thing, there's so many people that, you know, like the ringer, Bill Simmons, they're huge on SGA, Shea Gildress, Alexander. And I don't buy that hype at all. I, I mean, I like him as a player. I think he's shown a lot of poise, especially for a rookie. But they're just like, they're blowing this guy. And he's he's barely averaging over 10 points a game. They're like, oh, this guy has such great vision. He moves the ball. He's averaging less than three assists per game. You know, he doesn't shoot the ball great. His athleticism is pretty good, but it's not like eye-opening. It's not jumping out of the gym and you know the passing doesn't wow me as well so i don't know why the sga hype is so high i think that he's a solid player he's gonna be a pretty good player but it's not someone i see as a star as well and i'm pretty low on doc rivers as well in the past clippers that culture just has not been good whenever times get tough and there's going to be a skid where the clippers are going to struggle and i don't know if doc rivers is the right guy to be in charge when that skid starts. So I just think there's a lot of holes for a team, that, especially with no stars and their best players, Tobias Harris, who he's developed into a really good player. I think he's silenced a lot of the doubters. But, you know, what's his peak? You know, top 50 player in the league, top 45, you know, somewhere like that. So, I mean, obviously a good player, but he's no stud. So I think, you know, the Clippers, they could still sneak in as a 6, 7, or 8 seed. And, you know, the West is kind of a mess right now. But... If I had to bet on it, I'd say they just missed the playoffs by a game or two. Man, that that uh, that, that is that is a pretty big take. With them, with them, with the hot start that they've had, with your boy over here having the Clippers over thirty-eight wins this season, and that's start. safe. That's safe. Um, They're going to get there. <laughs> granted, my lack of the year, Cavs is still uh, really hurting. But um, I, I I like the I like the Clippers. You know, and you, I, I'll agree with you that the health the health is a concern, and Doc Rivers. Um, 
I haven't been the biggest Doc Rivers fan in the past either. But I do think he has a good grip on this team. I, I don't mind that they don't have a star. And I think that Tobias Harris is a good best player on your team to have. Um, he's coming into his own. He looks good out there. He's getting 21.5 points per game. Uh, he's rebounding nice, and he's got he can shoot it from outside, and he, he, he and all these guys play hard. Like Montrez Harrell is a dog; he's been playing his ass off. Um, and then Lou Williams, solid veteran presence, elite scorer, clutch player down the stretch. Gallinari's looked really good this year, almost 19 a game. And then uh, Beverly, obviously solid defender. Avery Bradley, solid defender. Avery Bradley, he sucks; he can't make shots anymore. He's 35 percent from the floor. Um, and he, he's shooting 20% from three. And that, this has been carrying over for the last couple of years now. He was on Detroit. I was excited when they signed him, and he just couldn't make a shot. So I think he could still improve. I haven't seen enough of SGA, but, yeah, you think he's a three-time all-star, by the way, the guys on the uh, ringer talk about him. So um, if you're saying right, so if you're saying six or seven seed, I'll live with, I'll live with that. But don't get that Clippers out of the playoff talk out of here. <laughs> One thing I will say is I do love Harold. Just the energy that these these guys play with, and, you know, it's inspirational. I mean, like the way they don't back down from the Warriors. They don't back down against, you know, the Celtics. Whenever a big team comes into town, they're ready for it. They embrace the challenge. And Lou Williams has been so clutched down the stretch, so it's hard to bet against a guy like him. And, you know, another point is, you know, Harrell and Boban, it's crazy. I think I saw this on Reddit, but, like, I think they have, like, they're, like, top 10 ever in career PER. Like, they both have, like, a 27-plus PER, something ridiculous. It's, I mean, <laughs> get those guys paid, man. They need to make some money for the efficiency they're putting up. Montrez Harrell is about to get a huge deal whenever he can. Uh, man, he looks like an animal out there. Yeah, so yeah, stay off the Clippers, man. I'm not buying. I'm not buying that no playoff Clippers hype. All right, I, I have to bring some hot takes. We always agree on something, so it's good to have a disagreement yeah, every that, once in a while. That, that is a good disagree. I got something that you're going to disagree with, though. Uh, coming up for my last, my last unpopular take is right, let's go. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers will either miss the playoffs. <laughs> or get the eighth seed and get swept in the first round by the Golden State Warriors. I'm speechless, to be honest. <laughs> so, look, those, I feel like the Lakers, I feel like it's almost everything has almost gone right for them this year, and they're sitting 11 and 8 right now. Like, LeBron James is balling out. He, you know, he had the 44 and then the 51 game, and uh, he almost cracked the and he came back, and, and they're on a nice run right now where I think they've maybe won you know, like 10 out of their last 12 or something like that. So everything's good in La La Land, but trust me, things are about to get ugly in a hurry. In the doldrums of the season, what happens to LeBron? He becomes distant. He becomes despondent. He starts creating unnecessary drama just to keep his name in the news and, I don't know, keep things interesting. He's kind of like one of those mean girls with the drama. You just He needs the drama in his life. So... I think that's going to affect those young guys. Even though he, he said he said about Lonzo Ball the other day, he doesn't realize how great he is. Really, okay. Like I, I respect him. Maybe maybe pumping him up and giving him some confidence, but really doesn't know how great he is. Like let's have him make a couple shots first before we talk about uh, how great Lonzo Ball is. So I just see this. I see a lot of dysfunction and frustration coming in the Lakers' future. I don't see this team getting up in the three or four seed in the West. I see them sneaking in. Sneaking in by Adam Silver putting the phone call in to 
to who's ever, who's ever one of those three musketeer refs in the last couple of games of the season to give the Lakers every call because they want that Golden State Lakers first round matchup. Maybe they sneak in the eighth seed and then they get absolutely dusted by the Steph Curry MVP regular season and finals MVP playoff edition run. What do you think about that? All right, so first let me address the whole Adam Silver thing. I think we need to do like a special, it doesn't have to be too long, maybe like 30 or 40 ep- minute episode where we just address NBA conspiracy theories. Because there's a lot okay. of like David Stern, not so much Adam Silver, but David Stern, you know, like rigging certain parts of the NBA. I think it would be interesting if we get into that. You yeah, know, sports uh, gambling, the sports gambling one would be fun. Right. Into that a little bit. Yeah, the like, MJ. The, the rap was rigging the game. <laughs> yeah, the Kings, uh, the, the Lakers series that was kind of rigged. And then what else was I thinking? There's one more. Oh, the there's a... envelope, Patrick Ewing. Right, and then there's a there's a Shaq story that was interesting as well. Like Shaq allegedly asked, or David Stern asked Shaq, do you want to play in the heat or do you want to play in the cold? And Shaq was like, I want to play in the warm weather. And then you know, 30 minutes later, the Orlando Magic got the first pick overall. So, <laughs> there's some good good conspiracy theories that we could hit up but anyway so back to the point i just think that the west is a mess right now and, you know anything could happen a lot of these teams you could easily see making the playoffs or missing but for the lakers just i have a hard time betting against lebron just the way he's i mean obviously he was in the east but just making the finals year after year Every year, someone telling me, oh, Toronto's going to take him down this year. Oh, Boston's going to take him down this year. Oh, Indiana's going to take him down this year. And it just never happened. Like, LeBron just figures a way to overcome the odds. I know, I mean, with Miami, he always had D-Wade and Bosch. And in Cleveland, he had help as well. But last year, that Cavs team is not very good. And you see that this year as well, even though they've won the last two games in a row. But Two I, words. Two words. Yeah. Eastern Conference. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I just, it's it's hard to bet against LeBron. And, you know, that roster, obviously, we've talked about. It does not make sense. I think Tyson Chandler was a great pickup. Finally hit a backup point, a backup center. But, you know, besides that, you know, a lot of the rosters, rosters just a mess. Lonzo Ball, that's someone I'm not going to buy stock on. I'm not a believer. Ingram's not a guy I completely believe about as well but i have another take on him that i'll bring up next but yeah it's just hard for me to bet against lebron really that's you know my main point and you know they don't have to be a two or three c in the west that's probably unachievable with the way the roster is right now but they could still make a move or two and maybe move up there i think they're going to be competing with the celtics for that ad sweepstakes but i mean more realistically i think this team's I mean, sneaks in as the AC is a little bit of a hot take. I think more five, six, seven seed. But I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but it's it's just hard to bet against LeBron. You know, financially, I would never put a dime against LeBron, and you know, whatever is expected of him. Just trust me. When the wheels start coming off, they're going to start coming off quick, and there's no stopping that freight train. That's going to have that's going to have no brakes on it. That's true. There's a lot of drama always with LeBron, and the free throw thing is weird. You see this these things on Twitter with the free throw violations, you know, stepping over the line. And he's, it's weird to have, you know, a guy that's considered the greatest of all time, missing free throws down the, down the stretch constantly, never shooting close to 80% in any season ever. It is weird. I mean, obviously it's not something that's 
you know, going to take away from that argument, but it's still just kind of hard to understand, really. There's a really good uh, article that was written about two years ago. It was like 15 feet of trouble or something. But if you just basically Google LeBron free throw article, um, really, really good article about LeBron James and his free throw struggles. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, too, basically talking about how passive he is in the last minute. He will not take it to the rack because he doesn't want to get fouled or shoot a step-back jumper every time because he fears going to the free throw line. And then he even went to shoot a technical foul with, like, Corver and Kevin Love on the court when they were way better free throw shooters. But LeBron was basically trying to get his confidence back. This was maybe, like, you know, early start of the season, and he, and he bricked it, and that was the last uh, technical free throw he shot for the whole year. So really uh, insightful article for listeners to check out. And he he has gone a lot better with those, you know, clutch jumpers down the stretch. But is it it is interesting to see that, you know, he rarely penetrates at the end of the games. He always seems to settle for that step back jumper or pull up three, you know, for a guy that's his go-to, his bread and butter is driving to the basket and trying to, you know, get a layup or get fouled. For sure. So, yeah, Lakers, eighth seed or missed playoffs. We'll see. I, I need them to maybe go cold here in a second to prove my point, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think we might have to put a 100 push-up bet on that as well. In All right. I bet. like that. I'll, I'll throw 100 on that. Eight seed or worse. Let's get it. Okay. I need, just need seven seed or better. I'll take those odds for sure. All right. So my okay. next unpopular take is even though I'm not the biggest fan of this guy, is that the Lakers shouldn't trade Ingram. There's a lot of Ingram takes that are kind of being put out there, you know, possibly for like a guy like Bradley Beal. And, you know, the guy's just 21 years old. So there's a lot of potential. You know, like I said with Doncic, he just doesn't quite have the knack of putting the ball in the basket, but he's still so young. And it's only 19 games in. And like we said, you know, with LeBron, it's hard to play with them sometimes. It's hard to, you know, get that transition. A lot of those guys that are the second or third best player in the team, you know, like Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, D. Wade, they've had trouble, like, transitioning into that role. So I think that's something that, for his age, it's way too young to judge him just yet. Obviously, he has some issues to fix mentally, like we saw with the Rockets thing. I was totally, I mean, I don't know what the he was thinking in that situation so i'm not a huge fan of his game i'm not a huge fan of his mentality but i think if you know best case scenario if you trade for a guy like bradley beal where's that getting you like we said right now maybe their peak is you know five succeed possibly even missing the playoffs but if you get bradley beal what does that does that move you up to like a four or five seed and then maybe like second round of the playoffs is it worth it to give up a guy that's only 21 years old and has like all-star potential so I, I just don't buy that talk and it's not like he's a guy like Markel Fultz too his stock is going down if anything it's just going to continue to go up as he improves his play so I mean if you eventually trade Ingram I'm not against trading him in the future but I think it has to be a home run deal and I think you got to get a stock up a little bit as well yeah it's uh for me it's it, it's kind of I agree like Brandon Ingram's a good player. Uh, it could be a great player. I'm interested to see if you ship Ingram, does that mean Kyle Kuzma gets more opportunity, gets in a better role? Because who do you like more, Kuzma or Ingram? Right now I like Kuzma more. He just has that dog in him. He's that, he has that mom mentality. I know it's cliche, but he does have you know that killer mentality. He's going to score. He's going to kill. 
and he shoots it better, right? I feel right. like he, he's yeah, he shoots way it better, better. kind of maybe not way better, but he's definitely a better outside shooter. He's a little streaky, uh, but he's a better shooter. From right so long and, and flashes and and like I like you see you see how long and maybe puts on some weight and even improves his shot. Um, but yeah, I think LeBron maybe is going to be the one making that call. I'm not sure how much he enjoys playing with with Brandon Ingram. I know he would love to play with a shooter like Bradley Beal. Then again, Bradley Beal. Will he be more engaged on the defensive end if he can play in the Lakers and, and get out of that terrible culture in Washington? Would that elevate Bradley Beal's play, Kyle Kuzma's play, if you got Ingram out of there? Because the one thing I don't like about Ingram is just kind of his attitude and his whole kind of character and just his personality. It always seems like he's like, <laughs> he always seems like he's mad or someone kicked his dog or like he just woke up from a bad nap. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I agree he's got all the talent and it probably would be a little early to pull the plug. Right now, it just kind of sit tight and see how things play out. And I think that's kind of what the Lakers are doing. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Kuzma, I think he's a better player than Ingram right now, but he also kind of, he had that four year college experience and I, I feel like you know he's older. He's closer to his peak than Ingram is. I feel like Ingram has a whole another level to explore. Whether he ever gets to there is you know spe- speculative. He may never get there at all. But Kuzma, I feel like there isn't too much room to grow. I feel like this is who he is. Maybe he could get up to like twenty one, twenty two points per game. But you know he'll he'll always be who he is, a streaky shooter who has a lot of potential and just doesn't give much other than that he's not going to be a playmaker he's not going to rebound he's not going to give much defensively so ingram's definitely the guy i'd say you have to hold on to a little longer i'm definitely not against trading him because i do see the downside not the biggest fan at all i wouldn't buy much stock in ingram but his trade value can increase so if you keep on to him a little bit see how things go see how he develops and you know LeBron is here long term. Obviously, he's getting older, so you don't want to you know lose his prime years. But the big dog isn't Brad Beal. The big guys are Clay, KD, Kawhi, AD. If you can get one of those guys, it's you know much worth it than you know giving up Ingram for Bradley Beal. Okay, okay. I will say if the Lakers do get Bradley Beal, I do I do have some fear in that, and I want that hundred push up that voided <laughs> on the record. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Any kind of trade that you know involves an all star caliber player, we can take off that a hundred push up bet. Okay, okay, or we'll just revisit it and see if we still want to do it. <laughs> okay, that, that's that's fair with me. I, I have I have one more unpopular take before we get to our power three segment. Sure. All right, so <laughs> I don't know where you're gonna fit with this take maybe this is a little too much but i predict that the washington wizards will make the playoffs this year oh uh right now seven and twelve uh two games out of the eight seed but it's early it looks look yeah it looks uh that's a tough call man because they could they could uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go against that. I'm gonna say that they're not making the playoffs this right. year. So I, I'll make some points. We'll see if you change your mind. Probably not. But okay. uh, it, it's good. We have some diversity finally. I feel like you know all episodes we've had like one or two arguments the whole time. Sure. But all right. So my first point is you know there's a lot of speculation that they're gonna make some trades. I don't see a trade really available. To be honest, I think it doesn't make sense to trade Bill. He's your best player he's on the most reasonable contract it doesn't make sense to trade Beal unless you get a guy as good as Bradley Beal which I don't think they're going to find John Wall 
you'd love to trade him, but is he that contract? I believe is not tradable. He has a two hundred and seven million dollar extension through twenty twenty three. He has like a forty six million player option in the year twenty twenty two. I feel like that's just an untradable contract. No team, especially seeing some of the deals that teams have taken and it's just backfired i feel like cap space is so valuable no one's going to take a risk on john wall it's just not going to happen and then auto porter as well who's interested in him he's making over two, 20 million a year as well i mean there's some like dallas talk but i just don't think it's worth it to take on that money so i feel like this is their team they have to kind of ride this out and you know so if we look into the eastern conference Celtics, Raptors, 76ers, Bucks, Pacers, those are your locks. And then I think the Pistons, with Blake Griffin, the way he's playing, they have to make the playoffs, whether it's the 6 or 8 seed. They're going to be in there somewhere. And that leaves the Wizards, the Magic, the Hornets, and the Heat. And I'm not a big fan of any of those, but the Wizards definitely have the most talent of those. So they only have to beat two of those teams, and then one other team can get in. But, I mean, when you think about it, that no trades are going to be made, this is their team. I feel like they're going to figure this out. And they had a nice comeback win against the Clippers, a team that was red hot and they were able to overcome. So, you know, obviously I'm not expecting any playoff noise, but as a seven or eight seed, sure, they can sneak in. Okay, look, at, let me just start by saying it's not out of the question that the Wizards can sneak into the playoffs. I'm saying that I like I like uh, the Heat and I like the Brooklyn Nets. I wow. think those have, okay. The Heat definitely way better culture, way better organization, probably even better players than the Wizards. Um, just the Wizards bench is just god awful. Marquise Morris, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, Sadoransky. Uh, we haven't gotten any Dwight Howard news, but let's just leave a minute to add. Huh? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we don't know if he's coming back or not. He's still got he's still got a sore 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 butt muscle uh, <laughs> that he's recovering from. And then who the heck is T. Bryant playing center for them? Uh, Ubre Jr. is, you know, he's going to have a, a nice modeling career coming up. Uh, I'm not sure how his basketball career is going to fare. And like you said, John Wall's not movable unless somebody just totally, they found another bad contract to move him with. So, um, I, but these guys hate each other, man. Like Bradley Beal, he said the other day, I've been dealing with this shit for seven years. Like, the, when the going's good with these guys, and you know John Wall smacking the floor after he after he hits four or five jumpers in a row, everything's great. And then you know the minute that he missed a couple, of guys start slugging their shoulders and cursing each other out. It all goes to hell again. So this team's not built to withstand 82 games. Um, the East is definitely bad, and maybe they can sneak in. But like I said, I like the Magic, I like the Nets, I like the Heat, and who knows? Maybe if, if Amos Cancer keeps. Uh, coming at him with those 20 and 20 games the Knicks could even uh take down the Wizards so I'm saying Wizards miss the playoffs I don't I don't I don't think either of us are ready to wager 100 push-ups on the Wizards uh, either way but Definitely maybe as, as things develop we can all right here, here's my last count I, I mean I'm obviously don't have a whole lot of confidence I'm not going to wager 100 push-ups but um <laughs> my last counter is the year that they almost won 50 games they won 49 games and almost made it to the Eastern conference finals they had a slow start as well so like they were i don't believe they were exactly six and 12 but maybe they started six and ten something around that range but you know they just had a hot second half so i mean we've seen the story before wall and beal have not gone along you know in the past but i feel like at some point a sense of pride has to get in you know everyone this is the joke of the league right now the wizards they can't figure it out they have all this talent but 
they just can't go wins. And, you know, Wall is a guy who's getting crushed right now. And I feel like he's not a guy that I'd exactly pinpoint as a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. But eventually some sense of pride has to kick into him. Even though he's making all this money, he could kick back and, you know, easily just relax, get those paychecks and just live, you know, a luxurious life. But I feel like at some point a sense of pride has to kick into him. And, I, you know, the East is so weak. 40 wins could get in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So, I, I don't know. I'd bet on the Wizards All over. All fair point. You're on the record as loving as loving the Washington Wizards to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love it, but I mean, so so Pistons would be the sixth team, and then if you like the Heat, that'd be the seventh team, and then it's the Wizards, Magic Hornets, Knicks, Jet, uh, Nets. I mean, I'm taking the Wizards there. I'd wager a hundred push-ups for that. Just All those right. teams. You can you can have you can have the Wizards, and we'll settle the details in further podcast. Okay, sounds good. All right, so moving on to the last segment of the podcast, we'll get through this quick. Is our Power Three segment, our fantasy draft, where we have we're debating the best NBA jerseys of all time in this fantasy draft. You want to start off? Sure. We'll have to get some of these on social media. Uh, Got to quick because these are some sexy uniforms. My number one pick, man. Detroit basketball, 1998-1999. It was kind of like that bluish. I don't know if they call it blue or green or uh, it's not. It's not necessarily teal blue, but it's got the flaming horse on it. It's got the the black, gold, and red outline. Uh, it's the Detroit Pistons. Grant Hill rocked it. it uh, it's a sexy jersey. I don't know if it was just because me growing up in Michigan for a little bit and, and seeing that on the TV, but I love those Pistons with the flaming horse on it. Uh, you know which ones I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yeah, th- those are nice. Grant Hill was a underrated player as well. He'd kill in today's NBA. Yeah, Pistons had some terrible... I hate their uniforms now, and I didn't like the bad boys uniforms, but those ones, man, with the flaming horse on it, we're, I'll, I'm going to put it on the on the social uh, on the social media for, for the fans to see, and maybe they can... They can, you know, do whatever, the swipe pole, how fire they really are. Right, got to, got to. So um, my first pick is the Miami Heat, their current Vice jerseys. They're, they're so wow, dope. Wow, you went straight, straight current like, I, I a got, couple days ago. Favorite ones ever. Nice. <laughs> I do have a lot of throwbacks, but just that whole, I think it's the combination of the jersey and the court. The court looks amazing. I'm not sure how they, you know, get that all set up so quickly, but... That whole experience, even though Miami isn't great right now, I'd love to see if LeBron James were still there. That whole experience would just be magnified. I feel like. Yeah, that uh, like the court was sick, and those are my favorite ones. And side note, I did order the shorts off NBA.com uh, on the Black Friday discount, and they arrived, and they look they look really very good. So highly recommend it. Yeah, they're sick. Okay, my number two one is. Vancouver Grizzlies. Now these were some teal bad boys. They had kind of like that rocky. Uh, that I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain the outline of the jerseys. But remember Mike Bibby, Sharif Abdul Rahim. It's got the you know the print on the collar and it's the teal blue color wave. Um, those are probably right up there with those Pistons jerseys. That's the best ones ever. The Vancouver Grizzlies throwback ones. The, those are sick. Mike Bibby is a throwback name. I've always been a huge fan of Bibby. All right, nice. What do you got? All right, so I'm going to throw back here. I'm going with the Toronto Raptors, the VC jerseys, you know, back in the day, late 1990s, the one with the Raptors, you know, the, the Raptor logo in the middle of the jersey. Those were all-time classic and, you know, none better moment when Vince Car- Carter was rocking that in, you know, the dunk contest, that vintage dunk contest that he won. 
Yeah, I had those down as well. I love the, the big Raptor, T Mac, Vince Carter, and the purple. That looked, uh, that was, those were nasty. Good times. Okay, I could go a couple different ways here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the fans two more. I think they want two more from me. So I'm going with the Orlando Magic black pinstripe. Yes. Uh, black or white pinstripe. Yeah, you know, Shaq, Penny. Penny Hardaway was my first favorite player when I was like five years old. Uh, probably the first basketball player I loved with the little Penny commercials. YouTube those if you hadn't seen it, uh, with Chris Rock. So, but those, those, those black and white, uh, the Magic pinstripes were, were money. Definitely. And so quick shout out to that magic team. There's a really cool 30 for 30 on just that whole development of the magic organization and Shaq and Penny, you know, how good they were. So, you know, definitely check out that 30 for 30 on ESPN, however you can find it, maybe on YouTube or somewhere online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was dope. All right. So my last pick here, there's a couple of ways I'll have a decent amount of honorable mentions, but I'm going to go with, this is, a weird pick, but I'm going with the T-Wolves, their current city jersey. They have the little purple and black. They just look sick, and maybe I'm just overreacting, you know, heat of the moment, but I don't even know if you've seen these jerseys, but if you look it up, Timberwolves city jersey, those are, they have a nice vibe. I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah, those uh, those are a lot of, you know, they did a really good job with all the uh, city edition jerseys. They were they were really cool. Um, I like I liked almost all of them. Besides, I think the Cavs one sucked, and yeah. I hated the Jazz ones and the Bucks. I think were all terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, they were all they're like Toronto had a really good one. Uh, the Spurs were pretty bad with the Camel too, but every I, like most of them were were awesome. Yeah, a lot of the current ones. I mean, the throwbacks will always be you know the most famous ones, but a lot of the statement jerseys and the city jerseys. Both of them, both of the styles are they're really dope. They're definitely bring the style back into the NBA. All right, I'll throw out some honorable mentions. Right, uh, I had the, remember the Bucks jersey with the big buck on it? Yeah, Ray I had that as well. Uh, Ray Allen. In there. Yeah, people forget yeah, Ray Allen the, played for the Bucks back in the day. Yeah, he, he was dunking too. Like He was using yeah. slam and everything back then. Yeah, he was sick. Uh, I like those old jazz jerseys with the big, uh, with the big snow mountain on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, the, the old Hawks jersey with the outstretched Hawks and had, like, the accented uh, red and black faded colors on there. Uh, but, but I think Matumbo was rocking those. And then an all-time favorite is the Retro Nuggets one with the rainbow skyline going across yeah. the jersey. I think the city did something similar to the, the retro ones like that, but those were sick. Yeah, all good picks. A couple throwbacks that I have are the CL Sonics throwbacks and the Timberwolves throwbacks with KG. Both of those were a couple of my favorite throwbacks. And then I've always yeah. been a fan of any Miami Heat jerseys. I feel they're white alternate ones. The white hot jerseys are really nice. And then they're, they're L Heat jerseys with, you know, D-Wade, you know, making that famous game winner where he's wearing the L Heat, the one-legged three-pointer, the steel. I mean, those jerseys are really nice as well. So I, I'm if I had to pick any team in the NBA, their favorite jersey, I'd probably go Miami Heat, or they're at least in the top three. Yeah, the only ones I didn't like was like kind of like the Wade Shack era ones. Like those are just kind of uh, plain. But yeah, those old ones like Tim Hardaway with the white hot stuff. Uh, I got a pair of those shorts too. Those are those are sick. So, and then yeah, those Timberwolves ones with the KG era, the, the Terrell Sprewell, Stephon Marbury. Those were those were nasty. Yeah, definitely cool era of throwback jerseys. That's always fun to bring back in 2K. Whenever I play, I always use throwback jerseys and never use the current ones. 
<laughs> Great call. I didn't. You know, I, I don't play. I don't play video games often, so uh, that feature is sweet. So. Is that all we got for today? That's all we got. Uh, a little long episode, but we had a lot of good content and a lot of interaction, a lot of opportunities to you know put some sound bites up and some polls. A lot of predictions. A lot of a lot of people will be proven wrong on this podcast. So we'll see uh, how the Lakers fare. We'll see how uh, the Washington Wizards fare, and we'll keep it moving. A lot of hot takes. We'll have a lot of push-ups coming up, either for you or myself, or maybe both. <laughs> Someone's going to be getting huge this summer. We'll see. We'll see.